Support for this show comes from Sylvan Learning. When children love learning, they can tackle any challenge life throws at them. Sylvan's insight assessment can help you determine if your child is ready for what's ahead. It can also identify gaps in learning and point out areas that could be of concern for your child so they can tackle what's to come. And right now, it's the best price of the year at $29. Go to sylvan29.com to learn more and get your child's assessment for only $29. That's S-Y-L-V-A-N-29.com. Hey, this is Scott Galloway, author, professor, entrepreneur, and most importantly, host of the Prop G podcast. We got a special series running on right now called The Future of Work, where I answer all your questions on, surprise, The Future of Work. Questions including, what are we missing when we work remotely? Or how do we handle work-life balance when a major opportunity comes knocking? From the provocative to the technical, we're offering insights you won't want to miss. So tune in to The Future of Work, a Prop G Pod special sponsored by Canva. You can find it on the Prop G Pod wherever you get your podcasts. You're listening to the Vox Media Podcast Network. The victory horns are sounding right now. Not only does it start the UFC Vegas 62 post-fight show here on MMAfighting.com, but these victory horns are for Alexa Grasso picking up a... a, a, It wasn't as lopsided as the scorecards will indicate because it was 50-45, 49-46, 49-46. A unanimous decision win, but the fight was very competitive. It was definitely closer than the cards indicate, but a huge win for Alexa Grasso. And she has officially put the pressure on Manon Fioro when she takes on Caitlin Chukagian next Saturday at UFC 280. And all in all, even though we had some fights fall off that were exciting, we had one drop off yesterday between Brian Roybal and Askar Askarov. This is a fun lead-in to one of the more highly anticipated events of the year, not just for the UFC, but in the sport in general. UFC 280 going down next Saturday. Everyone seems to have that circled this was sort of a whistle wetter, if you will, and I think it delivered in a big way. Huge win for Alexa Grasso, but thank you for joining us. I am Mike Heck, being joined by Mr. Jose Youngs, who's getting ready for a, a long journey out to UFC 280 to Abu Dhabi. So when do you head out, and how long is it going to take you to get there, Jose? Uh, I head out tomorrow. I go to Chicago, and then I got three, three-and-a-half-hour layover, and then from Chicago directly to Abu Dhabi. So... The flight from Chicago to Abu Dhabi, I want to say, is 13, 14 hours straight. And the flight to Chicago is three and a half hours. So it's going to be a long day considering I take off Sunday, midday, and I land Monday night in Abu Dhabi. Uh, it's going to be weird landing at 10 p.m., but in my brain, it's going to feel like the middle of the day. And then same exact path back. There you go. And we are looking forward to your coverage for sure. It's going to be a fantastic week. But before you get on a plane, let's recap what we just saw from the UFC Apex. Alexa Grasso picks up a huge win. She needed this one badly. She wants to keep her name in the race to maybe fight Valentina Shevchenko next. And she did her part. Gets a win over a very game, very tough Viviani Arujo. What stood out to you from Alexa Grasso's performance tonight? Um, Not a whole lot stood out because I felt like Viviani Arujo, Arujo was making a... Was, 
don't want to say mistakes because it was such a close fight, but she seems more willing to play Alexa Grasso's game. And if you're going to do that, you're going to have a bad time. Uh, if you're a uh, flyaway fighter, because like I think Dominic Cruz said it once or twice, because I was watching this fight, I'm like, they're throwing a lot of one, two, three combinations, and that seems to be about it. Uh, and that's Alexa Grasso's bread and butter, and Vivian Arujo hits really hard, but Alexa Grasso is just a better boxer. So the fact that Vivian Arujo just, I felt, was comfortable boxing Alexa Grasso just played into Alexa Grasso's strengths. And I think even in like the fifth or fourth round, Dominic Cruz is like, there's a lot of combinations and not a whole lot of kicks or mixing of the martial arts, as AK likes to say. So I wouldn't say I learned a whole lot of Alexa Grasso, just the fact that she's a really high-level boxer or MMA boxer in this division. And Vivian Arujo just, I guess, didn't make the necessary adjustments to win her first main event. How did you score it? I, this clearly was no robbery. I think across the board, everyone scored it for Grasso. I was live blogging, so I, I had scored it three rounds to two for Grasso. I thought it was even going into the fifth, but I saw a lot of people think it was 3-1, maybe 4-0 for Alexa Grasso, which I'm not going to argue with it because the the rounds were very, very close, but Grasso yeah. was landing a little bit cleaner for the most part. But Arujo had the big takedown in the second, had a lot of control, but didn't do much with it. And I thought Arujo looked pretty good in that fourth round, which... Mm-hmm made me believe that the fifth round is going to get a little more chaotic than it actually did. But how did you actually score it? I had a four one for Grosso. I think like that, that because if, like I said, all of the rounds kind of bled together, it just felt like one 25 minute round at times because it was just the <laughs> same thing happening over and over and over and over. So I, it was like, it was rounds four or five. I gave it to Vivian, but at that point I think Alexa was winning pretty comfortably. I mean, when I say comfortably, she was up on the scorecards, but, the fight was hyper close. Like if someone scored it three two Vivian, I wouldn't quite agree with that. But I could if you I would listen to your argument at least. Yeah, absolutely. So now Alexa's in a very interesting spot. She's talking to Paul Felder. Paul Felder's so great at giving these fighters the chance to call their shots. I just and... wish he would do it in a less awkward way. Like he just <laughs> says it so awkwardly. Like I hate to says, do this. I hate to do goes, this, but I have to ask. Yeah. It's like, just stop being so weird, man, and just ask them. But yeah, continue. So she gets on the mic and says, hey, see that guy over there? He's my matchmaker, and he always gives me competitive fights. So whatever they have cooked up for me, I'll be ready to say yes. I know you're not a big, like, you have to call your shot on the mic kind of guy, but I feel like in certain cases, at least just saying a name or you know, saying, hey, I'm next in line for the title, it's not really trash talk. You're just trying to claim your spot and she just left it up to the UFC and left it up to the matchmakers. But right now, should she have at least called for the belts? Should she, I mean, we still have to wait to see what happens next Saturday, obviously, but should she have called for the belt and what needs to happen next week for her to get that? Like, she, cause you can make a clear argument that you with a win should get a title shot, but we've seen that dance already. And if Manafiora wins, I feel like she's a lock. So does she just need Chukagian to win to have a chance at this point? Not necessarily. I think that there's a couple factors that are playing Alexa Grosso's favor. A, she won a main event. Uh, so all eyes were on her. This card was like, she was one of the two fighters. This card was built around uh, in a very stacked card. Oftentimes you can, you know, you can have a really high level technical fight but the next fight happens to be Sean Brady versus Bilal Muhammad, you're probably going to forget Kalanchu Kagan and Manafro happened if it plays out the way it could happen. Because for all we know, Manafro could go out there and rolling thunder wheel kick Kalanchu Kagan into oblivion. She gets on the mic and says, 
Valentina Shevchenko, I'm going to drink your blood, blah, 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 blah. Then, yeah, give her the title <laughs> shot because you're not going to forget that. Let's see how the fight plays out. But if it's a three-round, 30-27, uh, and someone just wins a similar decision, then Alexa Grasso could very well get the decision. She's, what, five or six in the UFC's ranking? I don't know where she is in our rankings, the one that matters. But uh, let's see how that fight plays out. But I'm not saying either winner is a lock. Uh, considering that's a that opens the pay per view card, which is obviously a really important uh, position on a card. But winning a main, winning your first main event comfortably, uh, and you're representing a country that the UFC very obviously wants to break into, especially with Brandon Moreno winning titles. Yair Rodriguez might be fighting for a belt in February. That card probably needs a co main event. Why not throw Alexa Grosso versus Valentina Shevchenko on the co main event of a Perth card? That'd be all kinds of fun. Have two his two Mexican fighters going for the belt at the same time down under. So there's a lot of things that could play in Alexa Grasso's favor. That's a that's a great point about the card placement for 280. Because yeah, it does open the pay per view, but I mean, there's four absolute heaters right behind that mm-hmm. fight with Darius and Gamrot, then Jan O'Malley, which is being talked about more than the actual title fight in the division in the co-main event between Sterling and Dillashaw, and then the fight everybody is excited about, Oliveira versus Makachev. So, yeah, yeah, because we've seen this happen a million times. Do you know? Do you remember UFC 218? Do you remember what happened on that main card? I'm trying Max to remember Holloway, which card that was. Max Holloway beat Jose Aldo, and Francis Ngannou decapitated Alistair Overeem. You yep. know who won the fight before right. that? You know the fight that happened before that? That was the Eddie alvarez Gaethje fight, right? No, there was a fight between those two. <laughs> exactly you know who that fight was UFC double champ Henry Cejudo beat reigning Bantamweight champ Sergio Pettis and you don't even remember because of what happened after <laughs> that's an excellent point right there I think you just made a tremendous case that Alexa Grasso might be in the driver's seat right now that's very very smart very very smart well played an excellent argument and then you, you brought the facts with Cejudo and get, getting that big win over Sergio Pettis, and no one even remembers it because of the chaos of that entire fight card. So good win for Alexa Grasso. Jonathan Martinez was like the buzz of the card, Jose, because oh, yeah. you're the, you were the Twitter reacts guys, and I was obviously looking on Twitter as I was live blogging between rounds. Didn't see a ton on this fight, but everybody was talking about Jonathan Martinez. What a performance against Cub Swanson. I actually thought that if this turned into some kind of a brawl, that this is exactly the fight Cub wants. And Jonathan was like, all right, dude, if you want to brawl, I'll just, I'll just brawl with you and I'll beat you up there. And he he just looks fantastic. Like Jonathan Martinez just continues to get better and better every single fight. Did this man just steal the show? Is he getting 50K oh, tonight? I, I think he's got uh, a chance. I would, I would imagine he gets 50K. He looked unbelievable. Uh, I mean, he had some of the some of the Twitter reacts that people were like, there were two fighters two or three fighters that said Jonathan Martinez is now one of their favorite fighters to watch just based off of this performance. Now, Matt Brown did say Brandon Martinez is his new favorite fighter before correcting himself <laughs> later on to Jonathan Martinez. So let's maybe get one more major win and then people will actually remember your name. And then if you get another one, people will start to actually spell your name correctly. And remember, there's no H in Jonathan in the first half. So, um, yeah, good win for Jonathan Martinez. He actually just dismantled Cub Swanson. And Cub Swanson looked good until he didn't because his leg just kind of fell off of him. So uh, that was a fun scrap. I didn't pick a fight. I didn't pick a winner in that because I feel like Cub Swanson is – his position has just constantly been since losing to Frankie Edgar in New Jersey has just been the guy that they put all these up and comers against like the Moicanos, 
when before Moicano like kind of like you beat Cub Swanson, you get kind of catapulted up the rankings. Like say that thing happened with Brian Ortega. It happened with Mike Moicano. It happened with Giga Chikadze. They tried to do it with Chrome Gracie. Shane Burgos obviously became a big name when he beat Cub Swanson. Uh, they gave him one uh, a Korean Superboy, and that fight is in the Hall of Fame. Artem Lobov. They tried to get a name off of Cub Swanson. So this happens frequently with Cub Swanson and. Uh, at first, he was getting the better of all these up-and-comers, even getting into the Hall of Fame. But lately, it's been rough for Cub Swanson against these uh, people trying to crack into the top 10 in their divisions because he just you know, gets matched up with Giga Chikadze and Jonathan Martinez and Shane Burgos and Hinata Moicano, who just can kick really hard. And even a new division didn't save him from that. Yeah, and that was what made this so impressive is that Cub – a lot of people are just like, oh, Cub's just going to get run over by this guy. And Cub had his moments. He looked good. He cracked Jonathan a couple times. I thought Jonathan's chin held up very well because that was one of the questions I had in this fight is could he take a big clean shot from Cubby? And he did. He definitely did. And Cub looked good. I thought he had maybe seven or so minutes to get the job done. And then the longer the fight went, the more it's going to favor the silence behind the violence. And he did the damn it thing. Was, and then afterwards, yeah, go ahead. It was a... It, I don't know. I didn't think he was going to get run over by Jonathan Martinez. I don't even know if I thought he was going to win. I didn't really have, like, thinking about it now, I don't think I really thought about it too much, but Jonathan Martinez has some weird losses on his record that are much lower level than Cub Swanson in 2022. Like, I'm pretty sure he's lost to Andre Sukumtov and Andre Ewell in the UFC, neither of which are in the UFC anymore. And then he's obviously got, I he has wins over, like, Frank, Frankie Sines, but he came in like five or six pounds overweight, and then he followed that up by going back to featherweight and then smashing Thomas Almeida, and then he kept kind of going to bantamweight. Is he too big for ban- featherweight, this and that? So I don't know if he was going to run over, but if he can may like get his weight under control for a prolonged amount of time and not go up to featherweight and back down to bantamweight, Jonathan Martinez could be a bad dude in that division. And you I know, just Jonathan- really want to see him fight Adrian Yanez badly. <laughs> That's a great fight. I would love to see that. He called out Dominic Cruz in like the Man. most polite way possible. Did you like that call out? Cause no, because I think Cubs wants <laughs> us to fight Dominic Cruz. I don't mind that idea. Or I think I might have favorite. somebody else. Yeah, I might actually have somebody else in mind for Dominic Cruz uh, based on this card because there's a guy who also competed on this card. And for some reason, these two dudes have never been matched up. So maybe now's the time to do it. A little on to the next one. Spoiler. So great performance for Jonathan Martinez. I think we're still waiting on who gets the bonuses. I don't know if those have popped up yet, but we will let you know as soon as they do. Nothing yet from the UFC social media account. So yeah, just go to Dorovich. I mean, that fight went pretty much the way everybody expected. They're just going to, him and Jordan Wright were just going to go in there and just try to punch each other's faces off. Jordan Wright wrestled a little bit, but Wright had him in trouble. Todorovich came back, got a finish in the second round. Rafael Sunsa, Jose, mm-hmm. 40 years of age, hasn't fought in 10 months, one of the biggest underdogs on the card. This is one of my big talking points heading in. That's I crazy. like Victor Henry, I think he's a great fighter. But he's a good, not a great fighter. He's a very good fighter. But you could be a very, very good bantamweight and just be like the 30th best bantamweight in the world. And that's still like a really, really good fighter. I just didn't know if I had questions whether or not Victor Henry was like a top 15 bantamweight. And I would have gotten those answers had he beat Rafael Asunso. But Rafael Asunso came out tonight and looked fantastic, swept the scorecards, 30 27s across the board. 
Minus 410 for Victor That's Henry in this fight was egregious. It was egregious. And to me, I told you guys, I'm not a gambler. I don't bet on MMA. But if I had shekels, I would throw it on Rafael Sunsa by decision. And I hope some of you listen to me. I hope some of you listen to me because if you did, you got paid off at plus 550. You're welcome. But Rafael Sunsa, man, this dude looked great. Stop disrespecting this man. He only loses to the to the best of the best, for God's sakes. This is some literally his whole career. Man. Yes. Like his first loss was to Jeff Curran, who has like 60 professional fights and like <laughs> yeah. 40 submissions. And then after that, he's lost to like Uriah Favor, obviously one of the greatest fighters ever. Diego Nunes. Did Diego ever fight for the UFC championship? Or did no. he have a number one contender fight? I think, I think Kenny Florian. I think, ever I think he was he the guy that Kenny Florian beat to get the title shot. May I might just be making something completely up. Eric Koch obviously was scheduled to fight for the title, and then like what after that? TJ Marlin, San Hagen, Cody Garbrandt, Ricky Smith. Like those are top ten, top five, top three, top two bantamweights ever. Probably should have gotten a title fight way a long time ago when he had what like seven, eight wins in a row. And then he just happened yeah. to run into a very angry TJ Dillashaw at UFC 200. <laughs> uh, yeah, that was a rough time. And then I think I remember who did he beat? <sighs> Might have been, I want to say Rob Font. Yeah, Font was, was Ster- he beat Sterling Marias. It was 226. Yeah. He beat Rob Font. Okay. That was, so and that was beat- a dominant win, too. He do- so he dominated Rob Font, UFC 226. And I remember in his interview with Joe Rogan, he's like, this is the first time I've ever interviewed with Joe Rogan. I'm like, you've been in the UFC for 40 years and you've never <laughs> got a post-fight interview with Joe Rogan. Like, that's how much disrespect that Rafael Asuncio has had throughout his career. So, I mean, do, do you feel like some of that disrespect will, will fade away now? I think that he's going to be one of those, if they match make him right, and don't just use him as a step stool. Like Rafael Asunza is going to be one of those, what do you call it? Um, good feel fights because he was super emotional after. Because he had what lost four or five in a row, and then he got this win, and he got, he just couldn't hold it anymore. I think people are going to really tune in to watch Rafael Asunza in his next fight. Not that they're going, he's going to like be the draw or anything, but it's going to be one of the fights they talk about. Yeah, great performance. Yeah, he's coming in with four losses in a row. Was like, eh, I'm thinking about retiring, but maybe not. So yeah. just if, if you're gonna do one more, if you're gonna have one more dance around the sun, do it with Dominic Cruz. These two dudes have never been like paired up. Like never even been like booked to not even booked to fight each other from everything that I've I've looked into. And I'm just like, that's stunning to me with how long these guys have been around. Not even in WEC anywhere have these two guys been put together. And I feel like now is the time to put them together. Let's just do it. There's nothing wrong with that. Cruz Frankie would have been great. Yeah, it'd be a really fun fight. So I'm down for that. Great win for Rafael Sunsau. The man could still do it. Uh, I think the move to Extreme Couture was very smart on his part, and it, it showed in a big way. And then Alonzo Menafield, boy, that was a, a violent knockout of, of Misha Serkinoff. Shir- great stuff right there. Support for this show comes from Sylvan Learning. As a parent, you want your child to have every opportunity. But giving them the tools they need to tackle every challenge, that takes a team. Now more than ever, educational support tailored exactly to what your child needs can make all the difference. That's why parents have trusted Sylvan Learning for 45 years as the ultimate teammate in their child's educational journey, instilling in them a love for learning and a passion for reaching the next level. 
And Sylvan's insight assessment can identify gaps in learning and areas that could be of concern for your child. It's a 360-degree view into your child's learning that you can't find anywhere else and helps ensure that your child didn't miss something in school that might put them at a disadvantage in the future. And right now, it's the best price of the year at $29. Go to sylvan29.com to learn more and get your child's assessment for only $29. That's S-Y-L-V-A-N-29.com. Hey, this is Scott Galloway, author, professor, entrepreneur, and most importantly, host of the Prop G podcast. We got a special series running on right now called The Future of Work, where I answer all your questions on, surprise, The Future of Work. Questions including, what are we missing when we work remotely? Or how do we handle work-life balance when a major opportunity comes knocking? From the provocative to the technical, we're offering insights you won't want to miss. So tune in to The Future of Work, a Pod special sponsored by Canva. You can find it on the Pod wherever you get your podcasts. And so from the, from the prelims, who impressed you the most? Because there, I mean, there were some good up and comers. Who who stood out the most to you before we got to the main card? Um, I mean, to two or Tyra is obviously the big one because he's what, like 20, 21? Looks like he's yeah. twelve. So he's going to be interesting to watch no matter where he goes. I think he's just his attempts because obviously he's from he's he's Japanese, correct? If I remember, if I might, I don't want to mistake. Make a mistake. Yeah, He's Japanese, he if I remember correctly. Yeah. Can barely. Sp- it doesn't speak great English, but when he does, it's very endearing. I want to say it has that like everyone just kind of like the face you're making now, where you smile, but you're, like that's, <laughs> that's the face right, people. Yeah. That's the face people make whenever Tatsuro Tyra like gets really excited and tries. Like when he was trying to tell me about eating In and Out back back in the day, everyone was talking about that. Um, and obviously Joe Anderson Brito. I think deserves a big jump up in competition. He looks really impressive. And I would say Pete Rodriguez, but he did just crush Mike Jackson. So take uh, we have bonuses. We do How have bonuses. Guess? How many? Yeah, guess them. How many? Uh, we, have, we have a fight. I will say we have a fight of the night. It's, it's the normal bonus structure. So two performances in one fight? In one fight. Probably Alonzo Manafield. And Jonathan Martinez for performance, correct? You got one out of the two. Is it Jonathan Martinez? Is that the yes. fight of the night? Oh, no. Is the fight of the night the main event? No. I have no idea then. Tell me. Fight of the night is Todorovic versus Wright. Jonathan Martinez okay. got a bonus. And what a segue. Just as you were talking about the man, Tetsuro Tyra okay. gets the other bonus. Yeah. For his sixth career submission win, his first UFC finish, now 12-0, 22 years of age. Just a delight. Just a delightful human being. Had the chance to speak with him before. Just such a nice kid. He's going to be a problem, man. So, He's going to Let's go to Dorovich and Jordan Wright were the fight of the night. That is fight of the night. Oh, I hope Jordan gets another fight then. It'd be weird to cut a man off a fight of the night, but I guess weird things have happened. Yeah, I mean... I don't know. I mean, you know this, he's never in a boring fight gonna, ever. You know what they're going to do? They're going to like Bo Nickel's going to beat Jamie Pickett. And then they're going to be like, oh, Jordan Wright beat Jamie Pickett. Let's feed Jordan Wright to Bo Nickel. That's ah, oh, you can't happen. That's a bummer. Oh, man. 
<laughs> that would be, I mean, that, that would just be, that would be wild, man. That would be wild. Uh, I agree with, with your Tetsuro Tyra pick. That guy's real good. Uh, Pete Rodriguez, that was just vicious yeah. as hell. Brito's real good. Um, I mean, he treated Lucas Alexander accordingly. I think Mana Martinez has a ton of potential and you could see it in the man, but just yeah. didn't come out. I mean, Brandon Davis is a dog, but James Krause just yelling at him and just going all Krause on him. And then they go to commercial right in the middle of the good stuff. So I just, uh, good win for I, him. Jacob Malcoon too. I just looked up because I wanted to see, because I couldn't remember if Jordan Wright was on a three or four fight losing streak now. He's on a three fight losing streak, has lost four or five. And then I was like, well, who did Dusko Todorovic fight? Like these two have literally never had an, like just like it, Jordan Wright's four losses in the UFC year to Joaquin Buckley, Bruno Silver, Mark Andre Barrio, and Dusko Todorovic. And technically, he lost to Fluffy Hernandez on the Contender Series, but was overturned to no contest when Anthony Hernandez tested positive for marijuana. That's a silly thing all in itself. And Dusko Todorovic, his losses were Chidino Jaquani, Greg Kopp, and Puna Soriano. Like those are <laughs> like those two have literally fought the people that are just, will kill you in the rain ranges of 15 to 20 rankings <laughs> that's yeah. a tough outing for both men and then maybe bo nickel could be waiting in the wings for either of these two mm. guys so so there you go that's uh that's the card a nice tight 11 fights in and out got a lot of hype for ufc 280 and all in all i thought this is a pretty good card i think it uh it, it delivered it uh, wet our whistles. It was a nice little go-home show for UFC 280. And yeah, it was good. It was fun. Let's see what the peeps have to say about the festivities. Let's bring in E. Casey Lydon. There he is. Wiping away my tears. Uh, my coach, Victor Henry, took a tough loss tonight. Um, awesome fight, though. Uh, dude, um, wait, hold on a second. Old school since I showed up tonight, by the way. That was like... At, Man, talk about fighting! Talk about fighting a guy in the wrong night. Since I was like so prepared, that story he told about just what basically jumping in a car and just showing up at Extreme Couture was un- unbelievable. Like that's that's crazy, yeah. and that just goes to tell you what a uh, great coach or what great people um, Eric Nixick and the people at Extreme Couture are because um, they completely gave uh, Rafael Sensal that you know uh, y'all must have forgot type of moment you know for us as fans. And um, yeah, and uh, Victor, and no Victor, being such an aggressive fighter, an exciting fighter, just it just played so well into since I was game plan, and um, yeah, it was just not coming back from that, and um, yeah, congratulations, Mister Sensal. So uh, yeah, yeah. Great, it, was, great. It, it, it was very odd because it's been a while since I've been as a media member talking to you guys, had someone so kind of close to me. In the in a fight this big, so um, no, I, I, I wanted to make it very clear who I was going it's, for and uh, who I had, but um, it was it's just, why just I fun, it's yeah. it's why I don't pick Ryan Bader fights. Yeah, he literally was the referee and the coach in my two amateur fights. Yeah, <laughs> just can't do it. Yeah, yeah, and like uh, yeah, just like but watching it just as a journalist, you know, from very it's uh, tough man. T- it was tough, but um, yeah, watching your friend lose like that um, is tough. But man. Since I look great tonight, and uh, but you know, but I think like a lot of the, almost a lot of the losers. There's some cards where you know the guy that loses just looks bad. Like Mike Jackson didn't look like a UFC level fighter tonight. Let's just call it what it is. But Victor Henry, Cub Swanson, even Jordan Wright, I thought they all looked good in their losses. 
And I think that's a, that's, that's a sign of a good card. Like even uh, Viviana, Vivian, like she looked great in a loss. And um, that's why I, yeah. I just really liked this card tonight. I was just very, I was very, I liked, I very liked this card going in. I yeah, like me this too. Card me too. Going yeah, me too. I, I did. I mean, I knew it wasn't a great name value card, but I liked the matchups, and um, I thought the main event had lots of high stakes, and it it delivered. Sorry. Yeah. I'm gonna get that off. I agree. <laughs> yeah, I agreed. I know Jed. Jed was not very high on it. I thought this is definitely Shocking. better than sixty one. <laughs> I thought it was better than sixty one. He was What's, just very, very. He was very sad about uh, the brand Royval Askarov. Like, yeah, yeah, he, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I mean, that one, I mean, I mean, look, I, I, he wasn't alone in that sentiment because that fight was fantastic, but it is what it is. It happened. 11 fights is great. Let's go. Okay. Okay. And I love the combination. I know some people, you know, don't like Dom as a commentator, but I really like Felder, Fitzgerald and Dom. I think Dom brought a very analytical kind of point, uh, a very technical point of view of watching the fights while Felder was really getting into the guy, the mind of these guys and telling big storylines. And I don't know, tonight just had a really good flow. I think a lot of it had to do with the, the, the tight number of fights, not like 14 fights. So I think that kind of, the guys didn't kind of get loopy from talking about fights so much. It, they were very focused on the fights tonight. And I, I, re- I really enjoyed it. It's just a, just a great show by the UFC tonight. Just yeah, wanna... and I, I, I want Brandon Fitzgerald to do the interviews in the Octagon. <laughs> I like how Felder I like like getting a fighter talking to a fighter will obviously have fighters open up more but Paul Felder is just so weird when he talks to fighters like because it think, just doesn't sound natural yeah because I think when fighters when the camera's off they're going to talk to each other different but when the camera's yes. on Felder has to kind of give the who do you got next or when you know like things that that I don't think fighters when they talk to each other they don't really talk about you know like so how yeah. many so, you know what I mean like how many fights do you think it's, it's gonna take for you to get the championship you know like they don't say that when the camera's not there um, so he, he feels weird putting that hat on but uh, I know what you're saying yeah he, he did he's have some like, weird moments in he's there like, Paul, Paul Felder is just like wow great fight just stellar job that jab was just on point <laughs> did you see that before the fight because I sure didn't <laughs> yup <laughs> Like he's his his question is what you should be asking. The delivery is weird. Yeah. <laughs> uh, he did pop. The, he did pop the crowd with uh, Alonzo Menafield, though. I thought that was yeah. pretty funny. Yeah. yeah, yeah. He's I he it's and it's he'll get better. Like I'm not like the questions he asking the questions he, are, he is asking are good. Yeah. The delivery is weird. Yeah, delivery. <laughs> oh man, and. I know, I know Felder was trying to shy away from it, but did it really seem that Alonzo Minifield, he really felt really bad what he did yes. there? Okay, because yeah. it really kind of, okay, I, was, I, was, I don't know if it was just me, but like you could tell he wanted, like he was just all ready to go, but then he kind of, in that 30 seconds, he's like, oh my God, I just, I might have killed a man, you know? And yeah, because like they went to commercial and came back, and that's, that's real time. And they had, just, they had just gotten Misha off the ground. That's freaking scary. To get knocked yeah, out. Yeah, he's like, down for a while. That's like in a movie. Like, but it doesn't happen in real. They hit someone in the head in a movie if a block you. Oh, you, they pass out. That's not real. But that's a, that's what it looked like. It, like that was scary. And look at Alonzo. Just he really brought down his um his post fight kind of speech because of it. But um, good on Felder to kind of. I think Felder. I think Felder felt that and kind of redirected it to a more positive kind of place. But um. Yeah, because he definitely he definitely didn't want to throw like those last four punches that he landed because. Yeah. Sergeyev was like already donezo, and Mark Smith was doing the hokey pokey, yeah. and 
didn't get in there fast enough. And that last hammer fist was so brutal. That's because he was just like, he was like, I don't want to throw this, but nobody's stopping me from throwing it. It's all, it's all I know how to, how to do. do. I've been training my whole <laughs> life to do this. Someone stop me, please, Mark Smith. Not, please. not, not everyone can be Leota Machida. <laughs> That's true. But Very to Mark Smith's credit, I understand when the knockout happened, it kind of came out of nowhere. Mark Smith just happened to be on the other side of uh, uh, Circumoff, so he couldn't really see his face. So he had to go around and get a clear view on it. So it's it's just unfortunate. But um, Alonzo Menvo, Jesus, man, that guy. That's just. It's a reminder how dangerous this sport is. That's all. Just it's like God, these guys get hit so freaking hard. It's really scary. Yeah. All right, let's go to the peeps. See what they have to say. Um, <laughs> I don't know if how much we talked about this, but oh, that's too small. Sorry. How is Maximoff versus Malkoon? <laughs> Didn't watch the prelims. So for for you, Rashad, uh, it was a fight <laughs> that was competitive for a couple of minutes, and then. Nick Maximoff clearly hurt his leg. Like yeah. you could see it. He was grimacing every time he moved. Malcoon took some momentum. And then in between rounds, Nick tells his team, my knee popped out. My knees effed. It popped out. And they're like, all right, dude, go back out there. And then the, and the referee's like, all right, go back out there. Just, I need to make sure you can move on it. And, and to Nick's credit, he battled through it, but Malcoon just, kind of beat him up the whole time. And he was on the opposite side of like the Menafield thing. Like Malcoon was very, very sportsmanlike because he didn't, he threw like two leg, he didn't throw like any leg kicks. And mm-hmm. to Paul Felder's credit, he was like, he was like, oh, I'd be smashing that leg right now. But he didn't throw like any leg kicks, just landed great shots, got a couple takedowns and he won the fight. So yeah, it, it wasn't a hundred percent the fight it could have been because oh, no, no, Maxima no. basically fought on one leg for the yeah. Almost the entire fight, but Malcoon won. I think he swept the scorecard. So, oh, yeah, oh, definitely. It's just, uh, it was just yeah. an unfortunate. It was a fight I was on the pre-fight show. I was really excited about, and I thought we were getting there too because I felt their wrestling was kind of stalemating before the knee injury, and it was going to be uh, a slugfest. And Nick cracked then, him. Nick yeah, cracked both, him. Well, that, that's why. That, that's why we like Felder because Felder asked about the leg kicks, and then um, Malcoon said, um, "Well, it was actually his rear leg that was injured." And he's, I'm not a good kicker. And kicking the rear leg is much more dangerous for the offensive fighter because you're open. And he just got, he said he just got hit with a hard left hook. And going after that rear leg would open up to the left hook. So he was just like, I don't want to get, the guy can still punch me. This, this is still a dangerous dude, even with one leg. So I, I really like the, I like how Felder, Felder brought that up and Malku explained it, you know. And um, it all kind of made sense. And uh, yeah, it's just an unfortunate fight. And uh, But what I, I guess I want to talk about, I, I agree that the ref shouldn't have stopped the fight because I don't think – I think you can – as long as you can stand up, you can still fight. Should the should Maximoff's coaches or someone throw in the towel? I mean, we're, we're kind of getting that Macy tough. Barber situation again. I know it's a different fight, but they know their it's fighter's tough. done. It's tough because I'm yeah. not training with Nick Maximoff all the time, so I don't really know what he's capable of. But we've seen – like Conor McGregor beat Max Holloway with one leg, and like GSP blew his knee out. And he still would win fights, and we've seen it's. We've Tiago seen Santos fighters win on almost one beat John Jones on yeah. one leg with no, with, with no knees, with no with no knees. It's just two stubs, two stubs walking across. Almost beat John Jones. It's <laughs> the greatest fighter I, ever. <laughs> I th- it, this one just feels different because Matt Nick 
like he you could see it on his face and i guess other fighters have a better poker face you know does that make sense so like you'll yeah. see like, like my knees like my knees like remember like the famously george st pierre's like i tore my groin and then mm-hmm. greg jackson's like i don't care hit, like yeah. hit him with hit your him groin. Up your groin yeah <laughs> yeah so it's like that's fighters just may but maybe this is the first time nick has faced something like that mm-hmm. so moving forward it's just different yeah, but then yeah. we've seen and we've seen like Duke Rufus throwing the towel for a broken hand. But then we've seen fighters win fights with a broken hands. But he knows Anthony needs his hand. Yeah. So it's just like maybe it's just a different. I'm not. No. I don't know. And I, I don't. I'm not. I'm not accusing the uh, Maximov. Uh, Maxim, Maximov. Right. Coaches doing the wrong thing. I just think the question should be asked. And um, it was just unfortunate. I hope. Um, man, man, he's a tough dude, man. I don't. I don't know. Yeah, man. That was just. It was a tough fight. It was yeah. unfortunate for both fighters, honestly, because then Mike Malku Malku's win kind of kind of a bit of an asterisk, but he got the win. So. A bit, you know. Um, I mean, I, I picked I picked him to win anyways. I still mm-hmm. think he's gonna. I, I still thought he was gonna win the fight. Just I just thought he did. I and eventually and, and even even with the one leg thing, can we graduate Jacob Malkoon from Robert Whitaker's training partner to just him oh, being please. his own man now? Enough is did enough. They the car? I thought I, the I, Brennan, I, I thought the Brennan Allen fight was enough to to yeah, graduate yeah. him, and I, I I think he should just be. Jacob Malkoon is old man at this point. Well, you could, yeah. Nick Maximoff should probably be more than Nate Diaz's friend. <laughs> yeah, yes. well, that's on the other side. Both, both, both sides. This is, this is I, think he's, I think he's shed that a little bit more. Like, I mean, Nate just goes to every fight, so it's hard. It's Nate's just so right. supportive of this kid that he's always going to be around. Like, he was in the building for the fight. So it's not like Rob Whitaker flew in for Malkoon's fight. So... But yeah, it was kind. Of, it was unfortunate. Jacob's a good fighter. Nick will be back, and I, I think maybe just what we were talking about with Felder interviewing him. Maybe they just from the research and all the the film study they did on Malcoon. They're like, all right, well, this dude's not going to throw a bunch of leg kicks at you, so you're good. Like he was fighting John, like a middleweight Chris Gutierrez or Jonathan Martinez. Maybe they look at it a little bit differently. But yeah. for this case, I maybe think- they just felt like that that threat wasn't really there. I think the winner of Petrovsky Terman should fight Malkoon in the on the Perth card. I like that idea. All right. Two middleweights that are like thirty fifth in the rankings. Yeah, I like that. It's good right, matching uh, right there. Suck it, AK. <laughs> uh, Patrick, when, when, when Martinez called out Dom, I feel like young fighters disrespect legends of the sport, calling them easy wins. All the Korean zombie callouts feel the same. Agree or disagree? Did Martinez say Dom's an easy win? I, I thought. I thought that was. I, did, I, did I not hear it right? I thought it was just. I just don't think Jonathan Martinez has a disrespectful bone in his body. Like the the only the only people I've ever heard Jonathan Martinez disrespect were the judges in Texas. Other than that, because everyone feels like he got hosed at that fight in Texas that night where, like, that was the Dominic Reyes. Was that the Dominic Reyes-John Jones card? I think so. It was that card, right? Where all the, there were so many wonky judges' scorecards, oh. and, I, and John was pissed about that. That was the most I've – I interviewed him, like, a couple of days after that. It was the most I've ever heard him talk and the most I've ever heard him talk since. But, <laughs> yeah, I don't I, – I didn't yeah. – I don't remember it being a disrespectful – call out no and he didn't like dom was in the building he didn't look at dom and like point at him he was like, just he just said it to paul yeah. yeah it was just and then brennan's yeah. like what do you think dom like oh yeah dom's like right there yeah <laughs> dom's like all right cool but yeah i don't think that fight's gonna happen by the no, way no i don't think so either but i thought it was a fine call out um i to me I, shot bro 
Yeah, she, yeah, shoot your shot. He's right there. Um, yeah, that's a shot I'm okay with. Like yeah. Joe Anderson, like even Joe Anderson Brito calling out Danny Gay. Don't hate it. It's not going to happen, but I don't hate it. It's like Joe yeah. Anderson Brito called for a title shot. It's not like Jonathan Martinez called for Cheeto Vera. Yeah, he called for Dominic Cruz, and if they made it, no one's going to complain about it. But I just don't think that's a fight Dom's going to be all that interested in right now. No, uh, no, not at this point. Not, not coming off that bad knockout. Uh, no, nah, no. Nah. Sorry, Mr. Martinez. No. Good try. But uh, I like I like your attitude, though. Yeah. But I, I did like I, to my my impression was when Don was talking about the fight, he was talking about how big Martinez was and how Huge. he might have been. He might have been looking like he might have been bigger than Cub, to be honest. Um, definitely even, was. Yeah, definitely. I think Don, I felt when Don was saying that he was really saying, holy crap, I'm a flyweight. <laughs> I, think, I guess what Dom was thinking like I'm a flyweight compared to I don't these think, two guys. I don't think Dom's gonna go to flyweight. Oh no, I don't think he's gonna go to flyweight. But I just think like he's realizing like Cubs in a, a featherweight his entire career. But that was also ten years ago. All these guys are just bigger now, and these new guys, these new thirty fivers, are now bigger than the these uh, the veteran featherweights. Jose Otto is a great example. He I used we used to think of him as a, a big featherweight. That's what we thought. Turns out he's just a regular bantamweight. You know, it's just yeah. Even like even like like Adrian Yanez is much bigger in person than you'd think he is. Mm-hmm. Like when you watch him fight, he just seems like a normal bantamweight looking dude. And then you actually stand next to the guy, you're like, "Wow, you're bigger than I thought you were." Yeah. <laughs> so there you go. Right. I don't uh, think there's any disrespect there. I I, no, I, I no. get the, the, the Korean zombie now. ones, uh, but even then, I, I just feel like people are just like, "Let's go fight this dude." Come on, Korean zombie, let's go. I don't think anyone's saying, like, you suck, let's fight. Yeah, yeah I and I get it because, like, the UFC does not match up veterans on their retirement fights almost ever. Like, look look at what Frankie Edgar fighting Chris Gutierrez and yeah. MSG. I don't even know who Shogun is fighting in Rio. Like, these are this is what happens. <laughs> like, if Jonathan Martinez, maybe he is paying attention to all this, and he's like, hey, they're matching up a bunch of people on the way out with a bunch of up and comers. I'll shoot my shot. Mm-hmm. What are the, what's the worst they can say? No. Yeah. I wonder what Casey Ketty's up to because I think that'd be a really good fight for Jonathan Martinez. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. Yeah. All right. Uh, do do uh, we talked about Martinez's call out. Talked about that one. Uh, but I love the Adrian Yanez idea. Maybe a little more. Yeah. Oh, um, I just want to see that fight for we, fun. We, we mentioned them briefly, but uh, I felt he deserves to be talked about a little bit more. Uh, my man Tristan, how dangerous do you think Brito is as a prospect in the featherweight division? That dude looks scary. Here's my one concern about this man, Jose. My one concern mm-hmm. is this dude just gets shot out of a cannon in every single fight. Just yeah. gets after it. And I feel like if he takes on a super durable fighter that is is highly skilled, that He's gonna he's gonna fall into some some bad habits. He's gonna fall into some. He could have some long nights. So if he can control that burst of energy, maybe it's just because he was fighting a guy on short notice, making his UFC debut, that he felt he could just do that and overwhelm this guy. And turns out he was right. But as he moves up this featherweight division and he starts, because this division is jacked, it's loaded up. It's not quite bantamweight in terms of depth, but it's very very close. In that sense, but I feel like that could be a problem down the road. But is this something that, that worries you about him and his ascension well, yeah. in this division? Yeah, but I think it's 
it worries maybe not worry but i'm gonna be curious about his next fight because now now it's out there now you like because before when he fought feely it was like his second ufc fight and before that he lost to bill algio and i just think he ran at andre feely and with everyone was like what the hell is happening right now <laughs> and then he just not like if they fought again i think feely beats him i just think joe anderson brito just caught everyone off guard now the blueprint's yeah. out there if if he does what he does to two three more people and they haven't got the memo that's their problem, but I want to see what he does in his next fight. Next, to, I, and then I'll have a better answer. Dude, let's just chuck him in there with like Nate Landwehr and just let all chaos reign. Jesus Christ! <laughs> see, see, that would be—I mean—that would be a great test for him because Nate ain't going away. You could hit that guy a thousand times and he's not going to stop. So that'll be the true test see, to see if that, that guy can hold that, on. That is true. Now, time catches up to everybody. Yeah, I mean, who knows how much damage he took? A lot of damage in that Onama fight, but oh my god, yeah, he got so much buzz off of that fight. That's gonna be on some top five lists for fight of the year. It should be. I, I don't know how many. That that fight's a that they're featherweights, right? Like God, Nate Landwehr yeah. should have. <laughs> he should because he should. I was telling like the people backstage in this, like if I was Nate Landwehr. And you just because he always talks about like you know a prize fighter makes a lot of money this and that he should have just taken the mic and just be like hey fat Patty Pimblet I'll fight you at one fifty five let's go wow I'm gonna cut your head off in Mass in Mass Square Garden then I'd be like oh I'm here for it but he didn't blew it I don't know he did, he called somebody out. I forget who it was I don't remember he called someone out that is that uh, he said called out Shane Burgos who then went to PFL oh, that's like, right. next that's oh no right. Uh, that's the best. And then he went. On, he goes on Ariel's show. Burgos makes the announcement, and then Ariel tells him that, "Oh, you didn't know he was on my show earlier." He goes, "Yeah." He goes, "He go on the PFL." He goes, "Oh, damn! I didn't damn. know that. That was hilarious." <laughs> All right. <laughs> yeah, I, I mean, look, Joe Anderson's fun to watch. He's must see TV. We're just gonna be a shit like. If he fights like a Damon Jackson, what's that gonna look like? That's yeah. an like or fights like, like that. Uh, or like a Julian Arosa or even a Akeem Dewan yeah. who just Julian just beat. Like they are just technically sound strikers. It's gonna be rough. Brito versus Duadu is interesting. Yeah, yeah this, I mean it's all if, all sorts of fun. If stays at Featherweight because he That's did, a great point. Like one forty nine is last something like that in his last fight. That's true. Oh, Akeem Duwadu uh, Patty Pimmel would be fun. Good yeah. gentlemen. That's it. Yeah, yeah. Now, now we're get, we're getting lots of questions about next week, but um, we're gonna keep it focused on tonight, guys, because we're gonna have lots no of time we're, to talk we're about next week. <laughs> so much time, so much time yeah. to talk about it. Uh, tomorrow we will put a bow on this event. AK and I will be back for some matchmaking. On to the next one. I have to say, I cannot wait for that show to be done. Not because I don't like doing it, but because I just I want to wrap the bow officially yeah. and then move on to make it officially UFC 280 fight week and we don't have anything really else to worry to worry about. So there we go. Fun card in the books. Nice tight 11 fights. A lot of them were fun. We got some good finishes, a main event with some stakes. Alexa Grasso might be sitting in the driver's seat right and now. But breaking, for how Casey, long? Casey, breaking news, breaking news, Casey. Breaking news? Uh-oh. The, the Houston Astros have won once to nothing. Woo! Poor Mariners. Ah. They, the Mariners are out. Ah, 
Take that, Mariners. In the, in the 18th inning. Oh, my God. I I, I, I apologize day. to all Mariner fans because that sucks. Honestly, you you guys are good fans. You deserve better. Oh, man. But uh, go Strohs. Nice. I heard Seattle fans get let down. The Blue Jays fans <laughs> get let down. The Alabama fans are let down, and I don't give a shit. And, I love it. And everyone obviously had the Philadelphia Phillies. Yeah, of course. Oh, in man. the NLCS. Bryce Harper could just bunt a baseball, and it's going to go over the fence at this point. <laughs> oh, yeah. Just hitting, oh, yeah. Hitting uh, I love Sprouts right Ball. Sprouts Ball. Yes. Sprouts Ball. Let's go. All right. Well, we're almost at UFC 280 Fight Week, everybody. For Casey, for Jose, I'm Mike Heck. Thank you for watching. Thank you for listening. Good night, everybody. listening to the Vox Media Podcast Network. Hey, this is Scott Galloway, author, professor, entrepreneur, and most importantly, host of the Prop G Podcast. We got a special series running on right now called The Future of Work, where I answer all your questions on, surprise, The Future of Work. Questions including, what are we missing when we work remotely? Or how do we handle work-life balance when a major opportunity comes knocking? From the provocative to the technical, we're offering insights you won't want to miss. So tune in to The Future of Work, a Pod special sponsored by Canva. You can find it on the Pod wherever you get your podcasts.